Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Folks, if you'd like a copy of Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, contact flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy of Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, plus a signed 5x7, contact TerryRyan2020 at gmail.com. That's TerryRyan2020 at gmail.com for a signed book and a signed picture. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using promo code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's promo code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Episode 51 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Hope everybody's had a fantastic, stupendous week. And uh, thanks for tuning in and for the feedback on the Shane Corson episode. Number two, that is. Um, and lots of great feedback. And looking forward to my guest today, Jody Shelley. Uh, Jody and I haven't... I can't remember the last time I saw him, but uh, we do have a little bit of a history. I'm going to get into it as we're talking, I think. Um, this morning, I was on a film set because my daughter is in a commercial and coming up, uh, I believe, uh, has to do with registered nurses of Newfoundland. So we've been out there right now. It's eight minutes to two. We've been out there since eight o'clock this morning and wasn't expected to go so long. So I have... 
Yeah, about uh, 500 seconds or so <laughs> before Jody comes on. So I was going to get into the Tom Wilson incident. Uh, and I don't want to overbeat it because this thing's being beat to death. Do I think it was a suspension? No. Uh, do you want me to elaborate? If the answer is yes, stick around and listen to uh, what I have to say after my interview with Jody. But now, how do I know Jody? So Jody is born in Manitoba. I didn't know that. Just did some research there. But I knew he grew up in Yarmouth. He moved over there when he was 12. And Jody's a great athlete, not just one sport, multidimensional athlete. I knew that much. And um, pretty good player in minor hockey, so I hear. I didn't see that, but I heard he was, you know, because he played major junior, and this guy is known for his penalty minutes in major junior and in the NHL. I mean, in Halifax, he has the record for the Halifax, Halifax sorry, Mooseheads with 420 penalty minutes in one season, which is astronomical, man. That's crazy. And he had 25 goals that year. So the guy can put the puck in the, in the net, right? And uh, ended up going to Dalhousie. What a weird weird route Jody had. I mean, he goes to Dalhousie, Canadian University. Those who know hockey know that there's really little to no fighting in that particular brand of hockey. But Jody played 19 games and he had 17 points, which is pretty good too, obviously. 145 penalty minutes. I mean, I, I really am curious how you get penalty minutes like that without getting thrown out for the whole year. Uh, because isn't it Canadian University or you're suspended for fighting, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll learn about it soon. But anyway, it goes from there and up and down for a year or two in the AHL in the East Coast League with Johnstown and, and St. John. And uh, anyway, so we got to know each other during that time. And we had a couple of run-ins. Once, I remember, we dropping our gloves. That, that one's on YouTube. And that one, I got the upper hand, but Jesus I've posted that and I've always felt um, like, you know, we had a fight and I, you know, Jody's cool that I posted it, but in that particular fight, like I said, I get the upper hand, but that's right before Jody started really taking it serious, started really training. He put on about 20 pounds and became an NHL enforcer. He was tough. Uh, I'm just saying, don't, don't judge Jody Shelley's, hockey toughness on just that one fight he had with me if you're a fan of this show look deeper he's got a great story about uh, that i'm going to hear i i don't like people to tell the exact same stories on spit and chicklets because i know there's a shared audience but i mean he fought bob probert four periods in a row and it's epic and anybody who knows hockey and the pugilistic players that have played the game would probably agree that bob probert is if not the toughest in the conversation. I, I think the vast majority of people would put him at number one when it comes to throwing the mitts. Uh, so to fight him three times in one game and then the first shift the next period is not only ballsy and courageous, but it's epic. And I can't wait to hear about that. And Jody, now he does uh, some, he, for the Columbus Blue Jackets TV games, he's the uh, color commentary guy. You know, he analyzes hockey for a living. And I've always said that it's just sitting on benches throughout North America, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, you know, because I was in every role. I played first line through the fourth line at some point in my hockey career. And I was always intrigued by the tough guys and their, the way they see the game. Because 
or anybody on the bubble for that matter. I was in that category too. I don't consider myself a goon or an enforcer. Goons, I don't like that word, but enforcer. But I wasn't really. I fought the enforcers if shit was getting out of hand to try to prove a point. But I wasn't an enforcer. But talking to a lot of them over the years, they have a great perspective because like Brant Myers said on here when I had him on and, and Ryan Vandenbush, you know, like I didn't play much. I, I didn't really think about the puck when I'm on the ice. And I never I thought that was absurd. But looking back, of course, why would you, especially if you were geared up thinking about fighting Probert or someone that night? I mean, there's a lot on your mind and you're not expected to score and you're probably going to get two or three shifts the whole game. So concentrating on scoring back then and when the role was the role that it is then that it was then would have been tough to do. But what you do do is see the game. Right. And when I say back then, because I mean, let's say today's enforcer and there are tough players, let's say Tom Wilson, let's say Milan Lucic, let's say Ryan Reeves. But if they could only fight. I, I don't know that they would be there. You need to bring something else to the table. Now, could Jody Shelley and Brant Myers have done that for Rand Vandenbush? Definitely. They were good players. Look at all their stats in junior. Each guy did pretty well. Right. You can tell if a guy can put up some points when he's in a bit lesser of a league and, and he thrives. Uh, it was just back then, you know, teams were willing to give a guy one shifts, no shifts. Ask Darren Langdon has about 20 games, a uh, new, good Newfoundlander that he didn't get a shift. I, I actually, that's low. I think he told me this. I think it's like 50 or 60 where he just put on his gear, sat on the bench if they needed him, but they didn't. And that was the way it went. And now you got to give, bring a little bit more to the table. Um, not that Shelley say couldn't, but right now, if you took Lucic and put him back then, I think they would only use him one or two shifts a game. Now the contracts are so big and, you know, the guy had 30 goals 10 years ago. There's a use and you, you, you want to get the most use out of your players. And I can see that. So the days of the enforcer as we knew it are gone, but there's still, I still say it. People say it's gone out of hockey. It might be for traditionalists that watch the game. And I'm on the borderline of that, you know, looking back and saying, often find myself guilty saying it's so soft and, Hockey, today's hockey is for wusses. And I guess compared to old time hockey, and, and that's really generation to generation, I consider old time hockey, early my era, you know, uh, Broad Street Bullies, I guess for me. I was born in 77 and they won it 74, 75, I think. If not 75, 76. So to me, that's old school, right? And that's... <clears throat> a brand of hockey that though enjoyed by many kind of alienated people who just wanted the finesse game. And now it's kind of gone the other way, but it's still real tough. Don't kid yourself, right? It's real tough compared to the other sports that we're talking about here. It's real tough. I've often said it's basketball under the rim. Trying to get a rebound is really underrated. Those guys are tougher than you think football, but you know, football's obvious, but there's only broken plays in 16 games a year. Uh, Come on. Um, baseball, not much in the way of physicality, but I think more you got to make yourself durable because it's a 162 game schedule. Um, but so each sport has different levels of toughness. But I think as far as just going out and being wounded like a warrior and, and, and having to stick up for your teammates, pain level, right? Slashes across the back of the legs, blocking shots, fighting getting a bare knuckle in the face and sitting out five minutes and coming back and doing it again. Those things don't happen in other sports. And though they're much more infrequent in the game of hockey that we know today, 
it still happens. And if you were looking from the outside, hockey is still a very, very tough sport. Well, we're about to talk to a man who retired in 2013. So, and we were well into the era that people consider soft, which is today's area, but I, I still don't consider it soft, but it's much softer. In any case, this guy's seen the uh, world and the hockey world, especially through the lens of a junior player, a CIAU player, a tough guy, a scorer, an NHL or an AHL or an East Coast leaguer, a, a, a leaguer, just about all of the above. So, without further ado, stay tuned. Jody Shelley coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest grew up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, and played over 600 games in the NHL, earning over 1,500 penalty minutes along the way. And he earned him the hard way, chucking knuckles with some of the toughest players ever to lace up skates, including four slugfests in a row with hockey fight goat Bob Probert in 2002. He played junior hockey in his home province for the storied Halifax Mooseheads and now lives in Columbus, Ohio, where he's the TV color analyst, color analyst for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is a pugilistic player, a proud parent, a fair fighter, a Mooseheadian madman, a boisterous Blue Jacket, a cool commentator. If you're a hockey fight fan, this is your man. I thought he was cool at Perry Perns Hockey School. Many penalty minutes he'd tally when he played for Halley. We scrapped one game when he played for the Flames. He developed a great punch as he played for the Syracuse Crunch. Ding dong goes the bell. Then he got called to the NHL. After hundreds of games and quite a few beer in 2012, he called it a career. Lo and behold, it was nice to see his God-given looks end up on TV. I once scored a goal when I played in Dayton. This dude here played with our buddy Chris Payton. <laughs> when I have pasta, I choose Vera Michelli. Ladies and gents, please welcome Jody Shelley. <laughs> there it is. That's the best introduction I've ever had, Terry Ryan. Good to see you, buddy. That's wonderful. I, I bet you've had a lot, so that's a compliment. It's good <laughs> to see you. When when did we see each other or speak last other than me sending you the odd message to come on the program. I can't it was remember. with Chloe, I think. You had just written your book. I think you gave him a, a copy of it. Was it in Toronto, maybe? Uh, would have been I, 10 years ago. Yeah. Does that, that sound right? Yeah. Maybe and 10 years, 10 years now, yeah, or 11 is, is like a couple. It's just like, oh, yeah, like I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I saw him the other year there, and you're like, Jesus, a, a, a quarter of my life has gone by. That's right. Yeah, it was a while ago, Terry. Good to see uh, you. Good to see you, man. So um, I guess I, I want to tell some a little bit of a background myself and yourself, but I think I'm just going to get into the groove. We're going to start at the beginning of your career because I'm curious. Do you remember, by the way, me coming to your house and having a steak during the Perry Perrin Hockey School? It was in the late 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely I do. We were in a condo, right? Yeah. 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 We were. And I, I, I'm trying to place it. And I usually write things down. That's where the books come from. Oh, cool. But I, I couldn't. I remember uh, there was some. Pro I remember Iggy being there. There was a guy for Toronto, uh, Antropoff, maybe. We were, so. at, we were at, was it Dave Cooper? We were at Dave Cooper's house. Dave I Cooper's. Stayed at, I stayed at Cooper's house. Yep. Over on the, uh, I forget what side of Edmonton it was. I forget where we were. And now I know Edmonton way better. I mean, they're every second year. Or, or Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, we were at Coop's house and I didn't really know those guys. So when they had them over, I was, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know. Okay. I was, that was foggy to me. I was picking up the pieces. <laughs> okay. So you're born in Thompson, Manitoba. Yeah. You're, you're 12. You moved to Yarmouth. Now, 
because I always heard, you know, you grew up in Yarmouth, but 12, there's still some level of growing up in Thompson. So were you a hockey player out there? Yeah. So I was born in Thompson, Manitoba. My dad worked in a mine there, Terry, up in Leaf Rapids. And um, so the closest place to have a baby, according to the story from Ned and Doreen, uh, was that they had to go down to Thompson. And I was born there. We grew up on Vancouver Island with Willie Mitchell out there, uh, where his dad and my dad coached us up in the... There was three towns up there, Port Hardy, Port McNeil, and Port Alice. Yeah. Uh, all of 5,000 people. It was fishing, logging, mining. Chris uh, Murray's from up around there. Chris and, Murray is from and, there. Grew up with Chris Murray. Yeah, exactly. Another Andrew Laming. Did you ever, ever hear of a guy? Andrew Laming. Played with him. Grew up with him. Yeah, ah, There you go. Two buddies that so, I played with. Go ahead. So two guys that uh, those both those guys. I mean, I think Laming played uh, in the WHL and had a nice little career there. And yeah. Um, yeah, we grew up together, all four of us. And then the mine was shutting down. So my dad bought the family house. My dad's one of 14 brothers and sisters from Bayvert, Newfoundland. Whoa, so they whoa, say in the States. whoa. We I didn't know, know one of 14. Newfoundland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of 14. Uh, so Ned bought the house and uh, my brother and two sisters and I and mom and dad got in a truck and a U-Haul and moved from Vancouver Island <laughs> to Newfoundland. And we did it in six weeks over the summer, stopped at all the relatives. And my mom has 10 brothers and sisters. So we had family and places to stay coast to coast. And uh, it was an amazing summer. So then we move into Bayvert. And I remember the day we moved into that old house and right in the middle of the town. And it's where my dad grew up and uh, went to St. Pius X, played hockey there, swam, loved it. The favorite days had a few moose burgers and uh, <laughs> then it was time for my dad to get uh, a job. So we, uh, he got a job in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia at a tin mine. So um, I played hockey at yeah, North Island Eagles and then a little bit in Bayvert. And then, then I ended up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, which opened up the door when, when they expanded in Halifax for a local guy to come try out. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, how long were you in Bayvert? I'm guessing like a year. We were there a year. Yeah. My mom's from uh, Victoria Cove, just outside of Gander. Uh, so we spent a little time in there too, but just about a year uh, in Bayvert. Interesting. I didn't even realize that long. I remember you telling me that. Um, yeah. But of course, things get foggy over time. That's really interesting. So you go up to Yarmouth, which is known as a sports town. Uh, and I didn't know until I did a little bit of research. I didn't have to do much on you now, but that you were into other sports. So Yeah. Was that all the way up, or did that start when you went to Yarmouth? Because I've been to Yarmouth two or three times, and I know it as a sports town. Yeah, always. Always involved in sports, Terry. Probably just like yourself. Like, mm. you know, when you grow up in small towns, when, when the hockey season's over, the, the ice comes out. So then you go try. And I used to be a swimmer, actually. I used to be the yeah. only sport in, Yar- in uh, Port Hardy in, in BC that I would uh, be out with that I liked. So I did that. Didn't like baseball. So it was a great off-season sport. Uh, golf tennis and I picked up tennis actually lately uh, but I did it all in high school you know basketball you know what it's like in a small yeah. town they need a tall guy to play basketball or volleyball so I just did it and uh, you know it was fun fun a uh, lot a lot of fun doing that when did so I don't know anything before Halifax Mooseheads and you went in and of course you're always trying to make an impression back then yeah you know, you, you go in and you drop the mitts, but you did have 25 goals one year. And that was kind of got lost on me too. I mean, I thought you had like 10 or 15. That's a lot of goals. So in minor hockey, were you a star without, you know, without being boastful? Were, were, were you uh, a- I would, no, I was, I was a better player. Like, you know, in Yarmouth, yeah. the closest triple eight team was in Bridgewater where mm-hmm. Glenn Murray uh, came from. And, and 
uh, it was two and a half hours to go to practice on, you know, two days a week. And then you'd play maybe up in Cape Breton, which is a seven or eight hour drive. And my mom and dad were like, you know, this is too important to stay at home. I mean, school is number one. Um, and that's just too far. So they wanted me to go there, but I stayed in Yarmouth and played, uh, I think we played Bantam C midget B, uh, hockey until I was 18. And that was the year that, uh, the Halifax Mooseheads came in and I had gotten on a draft list cause I went to hockey night in Boston, which is a selects camp where there's a lot Outer of cup? colleges. I didn't go to the chowder cup. Okay. You guys went to that, right? Yeah. We used to, we used to, to put a team together every year and go to that. Yeah. yeah. I've heard I heard about you guys doing that, and and you guys always had a good showing. But we were at a, um, I don't know if you remember Brad Englehart. He, yeah. he was his dad was in uh, his dad was was running hockey in New Brunswick, and he put a team together. And I went up there and made the team, and ended up going to Boston. And from there, got on the draft list when there was like I don't know fifty rounds. So they invited me to camp from there, and and um, yeah. But Yarmouth uh, minor hockey was where I was at. And to answer your question, yeah, I was I was a pretty good player when I was younger. I could put it put pucks in the net. I was bigger and stronger, and I just had the almost like a power forward skill set, I guess. Yeah, and when so when you go into camp, were you thinking I'm 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 gonna fight to get no? I mean, I, yeah, that's kind of the way it was. I used to remember thinking going to any camp too. Like I I I used to like have nerves, and I used to go like I can't make myself score but I can make myself go out and have balls. And that time it didn't take much. You could definitely get in a fight. Now you're big anyway, you're big yeah. anyway. So were you, was that a goal? Like, you know what? I, I think I can do this. And if so, what was your first fight for me? Knowing that I could take a punch, open the door for a lot more, because until that point I was like, is my face going to cave in? What's going to, then when you're <laughs> fighting guys like, Oh geez, I just went with Wade Belak. It can't be that bad. Right. right? Like what was your moment? Well, you know, I, I'd never been on a in a fight off the ice. I mean, it wasn't even something we talked about. And my dad grew up playing basketball and did a little boxing, but he never would teach me how to box. He told me I had to get in shape first, and I wasn't interested in that when I was in high school. So it never worked out. But I was – so the year I got invited to camp, it was the spring um, of 94. I moved to Dalhousie with Daryl Young, who was running the program there. And he put me in the house with two guys, two veteran guys in Halifax at Dalhousie so I could train. And I ran into this guy, David Haynes, who had played in the Quebec League. And he pulled me aside and he said, listen, there's some tough guys coming to camp. And this guy in particular that I see on the, on the bulletin boards and doing the radio interviews, he said, I play with him. He's big. But I don't. I think you could take them. And I was like, "Man, you are speaking a foreign language. To me. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a hockey player. I score goals. I, you know, I pass the puck." He's like, "Listen, get in the gym, do some heavy bag work. Just be prepared because it's a great way to leave an impression or at least uh, make one." And so I prepared for it, and I was not going to ask him to fight. He asked me to fight, and uh, we went. And I, you know, like you just said, I survived it. I, you yeah. know, I actually did pretty good in it. And I was a local kid who stood up to the big guy wow. and that opened the door, uh, that opened the door, uh, just a slight crack. So from there, um, I'll never forget. I was in the lobby of the hotel. They just made their, their first cuts. I hadn't fought in a week. And the assistant coach, John McKenzie pulled me aside in the lobby and he said, listen, we've got about 50 guys who are five foot six and skilled. And, um, we don't have many that are six foot two and play at 180, 190, or 200. He said, you get the picture? And I, the light bulb went on, and I just said, okay, I want to make wow. this team. 
I, so I just started doing it all the time. And that, that's where I, that's where I made myself relevant. And yeah, I love that. And a lot of people don't get to do it in their home province. So you, I mean, right. it must've been a, a feeling of elation. Was it, I it mean, to make, to make the moose heads and it's not like from 11, you were being told you were going to, I mean, you know, some level to me, I knew, you know, I, I made the move from Newfoundland, Tri-City were, promised me they'd draft me in the first round. I kind of knew where I was going, but it was a completely different experience. Want to talk different? I was on another planet, Washington State outside Seattle. Where's Newfoundland? Where, right. right? Like, whoa. Um, but it must have been. And, you know, so you got buddies and everything coming up to the games. I mean, it oh, must have yeah. been a great time of your life. And, and wow. were your teams good in those three years? Yeah. So, I mean, I, how many hours is different from, from out there, Tri-Cities, to, uh, to, to Newfoundland? Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, time zone, time zone. It yeah. take, drive across Canada takes, yeah, you know, like 75 to 80 hours. Oh, no, we- yeah. But, but I mean, time zone. Because, Four and a half. Uh, yeah, man. You know, when I played in San Jose, I have relatives in Newfoundland. I felt bad. 1030 start out there yeah, yeah, or yeah. out here. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a late, that's even later in Newfoundland. That's I think, uh, midnight. So oh, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's just not even in the yeah, currents. But, and but and at least in San Jose, really- what's sorry, the NHL back then for me, Tri-City were never on, you know, CHL game of the night. It was always Red Deer brand. It was never the odd time the Spokane Chiefs, cause they were in the Memorial Cup and the Seattle Thunderbirds, but no one would have even known the Tri-City Americans or the Tacoma Rockets existed. Um, so I really did feel like I was on another planet. Um, not, not, I'm not comparing now (laughs) levels of homesickness. You're in San Jose. I just mean for the people back here. Yeah, exactly. With no internet, I was gone. I I was basically, they heard me again when the draft happened. (laughs) You You could have been in Russia. Yeah. But but to answer your question, um, it was such a great time in my life because I'd graduated in 94. You know, I'd got my, 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 my high school at home in Yarmouth at Yarmouth high and my buddies and then moved to, to Halifax to, to go to college there. So I had so many guys around. My parents used to drive up for every game on the weekend. Um, you know, I was a local boy. So it was this new Halifax Moosehead team. Uh, and we had a lot of fun. We had a good team. We had Jaguar Tongay. We had some great players in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, one year when, when the, the Memorial cup was being hosted, uh, in, in Quebec, we had a chance to go right to the Memorial Cup because we were going against the host team. We lost because Jaguar got hurt. But I'm telling you what, Terry, I mean, you look back at any stage of your life, uh, you know, there's a lot of great memories and a lot of things that uh, you enjoy and cherish. But major junior hockey is so unique because you know there's an expiration to it. You know it's got to come to an end. You know there's a point where you're not allowed to do it anymore. And, and that's what made it so special. And, you know, uh, when you know there's going to be an end and you can play that last year as an overage and, and be a part of it uh, and enjoy the city and, and really relish it, that's what makes it special. And I really enjoyed it. I look back. I'm so proud that I was a moosehead. And I don't think there's a better city in the world for major junior hockey. I agree. The closest thing in the West, I would say, is the Kamloops Blazers. Got a yeah. good history. It's always run really well. Good scouts. Everybody loves playing there and everybody supports it. There are other teams, of course, just in my mind experiencing that whole thing i thought and, and you know i've seen quite a few games in halifax it's the same kind of energy um it, that's wild i've always really envied that because for me major junior was my high school i left here like i said i played with andrew laming and cornell right so you we were up there we're not from cornell right we were trying to get into the western league and then we go to the western league and you experience you know this ride with with many of the same common and even players you're playing against by your fourth year you're 
you know, your buddies with a lot of people. So I remember thinking my last junior game and I really thought about it, but overwhelming and crying and my body started shaking. I can't imagine having the experience of high school and, you know, all that camaraderie from people and family and friends and your major junior experience yeah. neatly in a three year package that you're it's, it's wild. I've always thought I talk to people from here, too. And, you know, people say, well, I'm moving away to Halifax. I'm like, yeah, but it's great. It's a great city. And there's all kinds of Newfoundlanders there for my mindset at the time. It just again, it seemed detached. Um, so listen, you have that year. Your last major year in major junior, 25 goals, 420 minutes. It's, I mean, this must, especially at that era, couldn't happen at a better time. I don't understand why the year at Dell. Did you get offered a contract and you turned it down? And if wh whatever the case may be, once you go to Canadian University, right, you're, <laughs> I'm thinking the door is closed. I know there's the odd, you know, PJ Stock, um, Dr. Randy Gregg. There, there's a few, not many. What, like, how, take us through that whole experience. Were you offered a contract? And regardless, once you went to Dell, did you still have your eyes on the prize? So I tore my ACL my last year junior in, uh, in March and then playoffs were coming up and I was going to finish my year. I mean, you know, I could skate, I'm going to play. So, yeah. you know, and, and so Calgary had a little interest in me. Um, and there, you know, Nick Polano was the scout there and he said, when you're done with rehab, call us. And you know, Terry, when you play every year, you play junior, you get a year of Canadians, uh, college paid for you used to. And that was a big deal in my household. Like that was, I mean, that yeah. was something major that I'd earned. My mom's a school teacher. Um, you know, it, there, so once I, I, I took the summer and rehab my ACL, I went to Dell and, and enrolled because I still had to do the, the rehab during then. Uh, and I had the best time. I was in Dalhousie as a player. Um, you know, I fought, uh, I think I had one fight. One How? Night. Morris Marr was the guy that was there. I think he played in the Ontario. He, play, he played. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. I, I know that guy. I went to some kind of summer camp with him. He's yeah. from he's from the Atlantic provinces somewhere. Um, but listen, yeah, the hundred the, the, the minutes. I don't know how you could get those minutes. It's a suspension, right? If you fight where? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to sit out a game. Yeah, I had to sit out a game. But I was fine you... with that. I was <laughs> fine with that. I was just I think I was just knocking the rust up. But in the back of my mind, I was you know, I'd always thought about playing pro hockey because the thing for me terry was i was at dalhousie life was nice and simple um but i was watching guys that i had battled yeah george the rock peter warrell gordy dwyer uh they're in the national hockey league playing regularly and i was sitting there and i was thinking i owe it to myself to go try and it yeah. broke my heart to call my mom and let her know i was leaving to go play pro i'd signed a 25 game tryout in saint john with the flames and um, she was so upset because my scholarship was officially gone. Uh, and now what did that mean? So I was gone and I was there. And in a year I was in Johnstown in the East Coast Hockey League thinking, what have I done? What have I done? But, uh, you know, watching those guys make it, getting an opportunity. Uh, that was my motivation to try to at least give it a shot. It's funny, man, because this now you won't remember this like I do. You know, certain things. But because I looked up to you and we were kind of buddies, we, we, we would speak on the ice, but we were in St. John's and this is when we fought. And, and I was 
I was in a situation I didn't expect. I, I went to Montreal for other reasons. What, you know, mostly I should have gone back to camp, but I didn't like Michelle Terry. And that's why I wanted, I really, really didn't like the guy. And I forgive him. If I saw him now, I'd shake his hand. I'm just saying, I don't want to be tripping over my bottom lip. But at the time I just really wanted out. I started seeing guys like Tucker and Burray and, oh God, Gordy Dwyer and all kinds of guys get traded and start playing. So I, I signed in St. John's as an independent contract. Right. And, and like a, at first, the PTO is same thing you were on. And I, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, I'm not with Toronto, so I'm probably not going to get any power play time. Not that that was be all and end all, but I, I was out there with Thornton a lot, um, Dennis Maxwell. So I'm like, okay, I see the writing on the wall. But you made an interesting comment that sometimes happens. And I remember it because I got in a lot of fights. So did you. But I've only been approached by this one time. And we knew because before the game, we were taping up our sticks. And I was like, man, I'm not playing that much. I don't know if I made the right decision. And we went out and lined up. And you looked over at me and you said, if I don't, I, I could be down in Johnstown tomorrow. And I really don't want to go down there. Like, I made this decision. You kind of told me the way you, in a much more brief yeah. manner. You told me that kind of story, and I said, geez, I could too. And it wasn't long after that, just the first dust-up. And it's weird. Sometimes that happens, right? And we were buddies, and, we, and we, we got into it. Now, the next year, so that happens. You do stay up. You, you end up getting in some decent fights, so I hear. We used to get the game notes every time. I kept <laughs> my tabs on you. The next year, I'm still in this it wasn't a contract dispute. I just wanted to get traded from Montreal, but they qualified me. So I, I was their property. So I was still waiting, waiting. I went down to Colorado Springs and Hershey called me. So I said, okay. And, and they were no uncertain term. And by this point, I mean, I never approached the game as you did. I'm not knocking what you did. You're just a big, tough, you're, you're talk power forward. I considered myself one, but you know, you're, you're a lot bigger and certainly stronger. So, but here, in other words, Hershey called and said, you're going to have to fight, fight those kind of guys. You know, and I'm like, hey, that's part of at this point, it's part of what I bring to the table. And we'll see. Maybe someone gets injured and I play a little bit. I wanted to get back up. And I, now I'm thinking NHL, but I'm playing in the WCHL. But I get called up and we play in Syracuse. So. I'm going I come down to talk to you before the game and you come out in the Zamboni entrance and you say to me, yeah, I, I got called up you said i got called up to the nhl and now and knowing your evolution and you know knowing pates and all those guys i always knew even before i knew you i knew of jody shelley <laughs> and especially having done that perry pern thing together and hanging out so i was really happy for you and you were pretty nervous you're like man i don't and i'm like what are you gonna do and you say i guess i'm gonna fight in the nhl tomorrow night like you couldn't believe it <laughs> sure enough i get out finish the road trip you know how i found out your, your two fights in five fucking seconds or whatever it was. I opened up the hockey news. Remember they used to have a, a plus yeah. and a minus section at, yeah. at the beginning, you know, plus uh, Pavel Burry scores five goals last night. Negative Greg Smith gets suspended for the 22nd time in pro. It was always a push and a pull. And that's what it, it, on the negative on the, on the minus. It said Jody Shelley gets in two fights in five seconds, breaking an <laughs> NHL record or whatever it was. So yeah. take us through that. What happened when you got called up? Well, see, they got that wrong in the hockey news. That was a big plus, Terry. And yeah, uh, you know, especially we were we were hooting and hollering on the bus. You you skipped over a fun part. I mean, you. I remember when you and I fought in St. John's, and uh, you gave it to me really good there. And I was surprised because you throw lefts and rights, and that hometown crowd. I think that I feared, I heard a few cowbells going too. <laughs> yeah, I was not the hometown with, crowd. I was going with my tail between my legs, so. 
You skipped hey, over that. You're a I hate that we only did once because that doesn't represent if we were getting ten fights. But and that was before. No, no. I looking at those, Jody, you weren't just beat. You went up. You wanted to. You 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 started training pretty hard after that. But thank you. I humbly I'd, accept your your statement. But yeah, you, know. you 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 gave it to me. But but um, so I was in Syracuse fighting everybody, and and still like when you're in the East Coast Hockey League. I mean, the NHL is, and especially we're all more connected now with social media and the internet mm-hmm. and what we can do in, in one second. But back then, uh, you felt like you were in a different planet. You were in a different world. It was so far away, it was hard to get your head around it. Yeah. And then when you got to the American Hockey League, it was a little bit closer because, you know, you'd see guys go to the National Hockey League. They'd be sitting next to you. Travis Brigley was next to me one night in St. John's or St. John, New Brunswick, and the next night he's playing for the Calgary Flames. And it's like, wow, you know, this is, this yeah. is pretty cool. So I'm in Syracuse going at it. And, you know, guys, you, you know the prospects are. You know who's going to be going up. And the coach, Gary Agnes, says, Jody, you're going to be going up in a few days. And I'm like, yeah, right. Anyways, he started doing quick feet drills with me. And uh, we started working at it. I didn't believe him, but I was fighting everyone at the time. And uh, I just remember, man, I got up there and it was a whirlwind. I mean, you know, Terry, you're at those moments where I know you know a lot of people in hockey, but you wish your your dad and your mom or your, your buddies could be right with you looking through your eyes to see, like, Lyle Odeline was there shaking my hand, and I was like, Lyle Odeline. First guy I met uh, in, in the NHL. Go ahead. One of the greatest people. Uh, I mean, I, I held him and all those old-school Montreal Canadiens in such high regard, and here he is talking about, you know, everything. And I was like, this is – inside, I was just like – it was a kid. Uh, but I, you know, and then I knew what I had to do. I knew what I was there for. So, uh, Olawad got traded to Pittsburgh and that was the night he was coming back February 17th, 2001 and nationwide arena and the fans were waiting for me to come up and I went up and I was ready to fight Olawa and McKenna, Steve McKenna. Steve McKenna I played with him as a rookie in Fredericton. Yeah. And I was like, this is not what's supposed to be happening, but okay. So I went with McKenna survived that seven. Oh man, I thought it was I thought it was over. <laughs> Anyways, after that, uh, I finally got to Olawa, and uh, we had it done. And I had one more shift, I think, after that. And then I was—I'll never forget—the team was on its way out west the next day, and the guys were so excited. Bags were being packed, the locker room was a buzz, and um, the travel guy came over, Jim Rankin. He said, "Nice job, kid. Here's your ticket back to Syracuse. You leave at 7 a.m." I was like, "Ah, oh, too bad." But uh, no, it's a, it was a great experience. But you know, Terry was that you, you have opportunities, right? And you got to you got to jump at them. And that's really what happened with me. Expansion in Halifax with the Mooseheads, expansion in Columbus with the Blue Jackets meant another farm team, more jobs, uh, and I jumped all over it. I didn't I didn't see myself as a fighter, but boy, I tell you what, I, I got to the point where I loved it so much. I loved being there for my teammates. I knew what I had to do. I felt the respect around the league, and I, I really cherished it. And, uh, and you became real good at it. Can you imagine? I often try to tell people that, that you know, kids ask me. I, I do a lot of training for, like, kids that are going to major junior and stuff. So, and it's, it's funny. Say Alex Newhook uh, got called up to Colorado, a first-round pick, and, and he'll be playing soon, if not this week, hopefully. Cross, fingers crossed. But, like, yeah. Alex gets drafted to Colorado, and you can kind of, like, see the inside of the dressing room on the Internet. Like, like you said, in a second, you – it, like for me, walking into the room, I, like I was almost I felt this overwhelming feeling. I, I, I wouldn't even know how to describe it. For, first of all, it was Montreal. So I remember trying to talk to Damon Lankow about this and he's in Tampa. I'm like, so first of all, there's the ghosts of the forum, the legends, the 8000 jerseys that are retired. The fact that like there was no glass behind the bench and Rocket Richard 
And John Beliveau used to sit right behind the bench. Like, I'm like, how can I not feel nervous is one thing, but this overwhelming pride, anxiety, right. um, love. I, I, I can't. It, it was overwhelming. I could not believe it. And I think that feeling would, would, would probably, I mean this in a good way, you'd kind of be numb to that a little bit because I'm sure as soon as you got, and you know, now as soon as they draft you, they take you in and you meet everybody right away. I remember Lyle Odley talking about Odie. This is your interview, by the way, I'm going off. No, it's great. <laughs> Odie, like I remember going there and like, you know, people were nice. They shook my hand, but I still didn't know much of the NHL or how they trained. I didn't know anything. And I went out and I fought Steve Leach, my first exhibition game. Um, it was a good fight. It's on YouTube. I, I, I beat him. I didn't know. I just, I just wanted to do something. And then I, but I had this tip top tailor suit on and, and snakeskin cowboy boots and Odie, <laughs> think what a good guy. He didn't know, man. He invited me out after the game. Me and Brad Brown also lived in Bayver or Ming's. That's right. A bit in Bayver, yeah. Yeah. Brad Brown. Um, and we went out and had a few beers and it was Mike Keen, Lilo line and Mark Lamb. And uh, Lamb had just won like four cups with the Oilers. I, don't, I, I was totally, yeah. He's, but, but he said, okay, kid, everything. And he goes, just do me a favor. Don't ever wear that shit you wore. And I said, well, I don't have any other suits. Like, that's what I got. I got another one that's purple, but it's tip top. And you would. So the next day I went to the rink and he had a brand new Hugo Boss suit and Hugo Boss shoes. The whole kit and caboose, sitting right there, knowing that I was going back. I was 18, right? This was just exhibition. But wow. that's how nice of a fucking guy he is. was to me. And there's more stories about Lyle Odeline and the good things he did. You know, what a guy. And he, he's just... I'm not surprised. I'll tell you that. I'm glad he made you uh, feel as comfortable as he did me. So you get up now. I'm not a huge fan of retelling stories uh, that are, that happen on spit and chicklets. You're my first guest that I've had after they've had a guest after showing up on there. Um, but I know you told a story. Probert. Now yeah. Probert, for those that don't know, and there is an overlap, but a lot of people don't listen to that. So I want you to tell the story again. I'm still fascinated. You fought Prober four periods in a row. Now, I can't remember. How did it start? And where was the game that you went one, two, three? So it was in Chicago. And it's, uh, it's a memory. I mean, it's, it's, it was amazing because I knew the game was on in Canada, coast to coast on TSN. And the boys were watching back in Nova Scotia. Uh, you know, and, and here I am on TSN in a TV timeout and I'm shoulder to shoulder with Bob Probert on a face-off draw. And, you know, there's probably 20 seconds left before puck drop and he's standing there. And I remember, I mean, I remember the conversation that went inside on inside my head vividly. And I was, I remember saying to myself, no, wait, ask him later. And then, you know, the next thing I, I heard my voice say, do you want to go? And I was I thinking, heard my geez. voice. I love what you said. You're like, is my brain really making these words come out of my mouth? <laughs> Who did that? Uh, you know, I should have gave the shoulder check. Who said that? <laughs> but anyways, he looks through me. Like, I mean, he looks, yeah. he barely turns his head. He looks through me and it, God rest his soul because, you know, he passed away there a few years ago, but you know, he looked through me and I was hoping he would say, no chance, kid. And, but, but he goes, I don't care. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Uh... So now I can feel the lump in my throat. And, and I'm like, this is it. And I remember being at peace. Like, I was, like, at peace. It was like it was over. My career was going to be over. It's been a good run. I even might have said to myself, well, it's been a good yeah. run. 
that's how intimidated I was by Bob Probert. And so we drop the gloves and we go at it. And I end up on my back, which I did a lot of my fights because, you know, whatever. So I'm like that. That's not good enough. And whenever I didn't get the best of someone or feel good about the fight, I always said, we got to go again. And this is in the first period. So I'm like, I don't want to let them off the hook or let them feel comfortable the rest of the game. My job is to kind of keep them on edge. Didn't look at me. I said it about 50 times in the box. He didn't look at me once. Second period comes out. Apparently he heard me because I get hit on the wall and he's all ready to go. I'm like, oh boy. But I get this unbelievable grab on his right arm and I tie him up tight and I catch him with one and I cut him. Nice. And then I pull him in tight and it was a really good fight. So I go back to the locker room and the two guys that work the Chicago Blackhawk room still, they're still there. And I'll never forget the look on their face. They were like, you just beat up Bob Probert. I'm like, I sat down on my stall and I'm like, they're like, do you need Gatorade? Do you need, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I just want to sit here and wait till the third period. Cause I know what's coming. So the boys come in and they're all fired up. Oh my, you know, I just beat Bob Probert. I'm like, this is bad. This is bad news. This is not good. <laughs> This is not how you want this to go. You should just take a fat lip and, and put your tail between your legs and, and just get through the game. So I know he's over in the next dressing room just chomping at the bit to get at me. Third period comes. Dave King throws me out on the ice, and he says, Jody, get out there, but don't take an extra two-minute penalty. And to this day, I still don't know what he means. And then he said, don't fight him, first of all. And I'm like, Kinger, I got to fight him. And the boys on the bench are chuckling, you know. Anyways, I, as soon as I hit the ice, I see Probert, who's a left winger, and I forget who his right winger was, but they switched, right? Right away, the right winger saw that I was on the bite, so he skated over. Uh, Bob skated over to my side. And I lined up like I was going to go in and score a goal. I didn't even look at him. I'm looking at the dot right in front of the, the Blackhawks bench. Puck hits the ice. My stick goes flying. We go at it. Um and then in the scrum, this is interesting. I didn't tell anyone uh, this part of the story, but I, I was at the bottom of the scrum with Bob Probert. The linesmen are in. I'm on the ice. I'm kind of smiling now because I've just survived three fights. My night is over. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm kicked out. See you later, it's Bob. It's such an overwhelming so, feeling of getting the job done. Like, I can't. Whew, what a feeling. I got of, her done. Uh, monkey off the back. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm at the bottom of the pile, and I could see him, and he's got his thumb right in my eye socket. So he's, like, pushing on my eye. You know how it goes in scrum yeah. sometimes. So I look at him, and if you look on YouTube, I slip this punch up, and I just get him right on the nose, and you see him okay. kind of react. And I see him come back to reality. He's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, you're gouging my eye out. And he goes, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. So that's at the end of three fights, at the end of the scrum. Uh, you know, he's got the stitches. I'm still alive. Uh, so I feel good. But then the anxiety jumps in because now the media is all over it, and we play them two nights later back in Columbus. So – First period, gloves are off, we're squared off, and the crowd's on their feet, and I'm at Nationwide Arena, and it was a good fight. It was uh, – you know what, Terry? He was at the end of his career, and you'll understand this. Yeah. He didn't have to say yes. I he love didn't have he did. to give me an opportunity. And this was before internet, Twitter, so this had to be on the highlight reel. It had to be something that would go around and be seen, and who's this guy, Shelly? And I, if he was around, I would thank him. I went to his funeral out of respect. I never met the man. That's the only time I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, the only time I've ever interacted with him. But I was there because he gave me a chance, and uh, I was really proud that he had done that because I know it's hard when it's late in your career and you fight everyone, you got nothing to prove. But he did that for me, and that's something uh, that I'll never forget. So That's really interesting. I love, yeah. I love that he did that, though. 
You know, yeah. he, he didn't turn he didn't down have. many for a guy that, you know, because a lot of people did. It's natural to. I don't yes. know if I'd want to be doing that in your mid 30s. Like, geez. And, and he was, you know, but he always seemed I did meet him. So I was my last game in the NHL. I was sitting on the bench next to Dave Morissette. Oh, yeah. So Moose. listen. Yeah, Moose. So we'd been called up and I hadn't. So Benoit Brunet was hurt or something. Now, it was like my third game in a row not getting a shift. So I didn't think and I'm getting lace bite from from doing up my skates on the bench. People don't realize I'm like, if you don't get out there at all, you really do get a bit of lace bite. I still wear bunga pads for it from that. I literally got injured from sitting out. So anyway, we're there talking and I mean, he comes by and Merch, Moose was chirping him. And I'm anyway, he thought it was me. And he comes over and hey, Ryan, my rum and coke got more ice than you. And I know it was a regurgitated line. He probably said it a thousand times, but I was just like, and I stood up on the bench. I looked over now. The boys knew I was, but I was like, Hey, Moose said that, not me. It was Probert Jansen's Russell. So yeah, we, we oh, went yeah. out there and, and he had a, I couldn't believe it. He, he caught Probert again. It was the end. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching with my own eyes. And I was like, but we went, we went on the ice. I'm skipping over a lot. This is part of my stand up act. I won't get right into it because it's your fucking interview, but <laughs> yeah, Vigno, I, I took my skates off and then my eyes were burning and my eyes were burning. And Moose goes, didn't you know, like Rex and the boys put a five, three, five in your helmet. <laughs> I said, I don't wear my helmet in warm up. It's the NHL. It's the only the only ice time I was getting. I used to put my phone number on pucks and chuck them up to girls like whatever it was. Right. I just loved it. If I'm going to be here, I never was like, fuck, I'm sitting out. I was like, this is the NHL. But but I'm on the bench anyway. It's third period. I'm thinking I haven't got one the first or two periods. I'm not going to get out there. But Vigno says you guys are up. And I'm speaking of, of Mooseheads, ended up fighting Cam Russell. But anyway, oh, yeah. afterwards, we went up because he knew Corson and a few guys. And we went out. I mean, he was kidding about the rum and coke. He was off it. He was just having a water. But he came over and did uh, Darren Langdon's hockey school a few years later. Oh, nice. Couldn't have been any nicer of a fella. Rick. I've heard that. And I've heard at the All-Star game when he went there, uh, the players, you know, there was a lot of great stars there, but everyone wanted to meet Proby and talk to him. And I thought that was pretty cool to hear that. Yeah, it's really unique that, uh, you know, you, you had that. He had an up, the utmost respect, but I guess you never played together and you're a lot younger than him. So I guess his group, you know, sometimes you, you intersect like you and I did. Yeah. But, you know, that's really, really good story. So I, I figured he did it. He fought you four times, at least because he knew you in some regard or or. or you know, no. you back or you played with guys or hmm. no, you know, it's kind of a kind of organic how it, how it happened. He said yes to the first one. Didn't do well in the second one. The third one, we got it out of the way, but then the media was all over it. So then, you know what I mean? The stage was set and he, I wouldn't think he was the guy that would, you know, it wasn't a quiet thing. So it just kind of worked out for me that uh, he did that. So your your six, seven years, basically half a dozen years in Columbus. I mean, you enjoyed your experience. You're back now. Now, before I get on to San Jose, New York, Philly, I'm, I'm assuming, I know you're back there now. Fill in the blanks. Is that where you met your wife and you had? Yeah. Your, okay. Yeah. I met so my wife in Columbus. When, when you played there on your first go around, right? Yeah, exactly. And, de yep. and decided because I know it, second home is it's your home, but yeah. A lot of times to make that step coming from Canada, it's an invested decision. And I know you're close. You just said with your mom mm -hmm. and your family and your friends. So was that a decision or was it a, just a layup? You're like, I love this. I'm being treated well. I'll get back to Canada once in a while. But I love and Ohio's a pretty cool spot, too. I played in Cincinnati. Way underrated. All of Ohio is way underrated. I could not believe when I went to Columbus and saw how thriving and happening it was. 
<laughs> yeah, and we like it that way, Terry. It's mm. uh, it's pretty magical. I mean, there's so many great companies that are based here. We're, we're within 500 miles of 75% of the U.S. population, when you think about it. New York, Miami, uh, you know, there's so many great industries that are, that are uh, Chicago is like six hours away. Abercrombie & Finch, Victoria's Secret, all those companies are based right here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so there's a lot going on here. And for me, the way I came into this, you know what it's like when you play in a town. And for me, this was a, a town that it was expansion. I was the guy who was at fighting, so it was very familiar to me, just like Halifax. The fans are great. It's a blue-collar city, but it's a lot of white-collar business. Uh, it was a great mix. So Ohio State Buckeyes get 105,000 people for every single game in their stadium. It's uh, If you ever get a chance, if anyone ever gets a chance to come down here and see what's happening, uh, it's not a destination uh, per se. You wouldn't say, I'm going to you know, go there as, for a vacation. But if you're around and you want to go somewhere awesome and see a football game and a hockey game in September, it's incredible. So it's <laughs> underrated. I uh, met my wife here, Mandy. I mean, it was a great, a, a great moment in my life. And it's been uh, 17 years since we've been married. And it's one of those things. She's been on the journey with me. And, and uh, my parents live in Edmonton, Terry. And you know what? Uh, it's a short summer there. And I love, I love Edmonton. I love the people. I love my parents. Uh, but this is home for me now. And, and uh, they all understand. That's awesome. Do your does your family get back to you with you know outside of the pandemic? Or do, do you no, guys get back? No, this to... whole thing, man. It's um, it's uh, you know a lot. What's happening in Canada is is we're way we're in a different spot here in the United States. So yeah. um, we're probably just a couple months or a month ahead of you guys, where we're you know we're doing restaurants and dinners and hockey and golf and these. So you guys will get there. But yeah, my parents know there's still a quarantine. Uh, there's still things going on. Uh, they're waiting for their second shot. So hopefully they'll get down here soon. How often would you go back in a regular year or would you get back? Well, see, I'm lucky as, as a broadcaster. So I tell everyone being a broadcaster in the NHL is like being a healthy scratch. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, except the perk is, Terry, I don't have curfew uh, and I don't have to work out or worry about getting stitches. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a good gig. So <laughs> we go play the Oilers once a year. So Edmonton, Calgary. Vancouver and last year actually uh in March we were there we had four days in Alberta so I see them every year my kids don't get to see them probably every couple of years well wow, interesting so um you go over to San Jose I, I forget was that a trade or was that free agency yeah, it was a trade I got traded yep no eight okay uh did you were you in on it at all uh or was it a no idea surprise? shock stunned I rode down the elevator with Scott Housen actually as a healthy scratch didn't say a word about a three-minute walk to the room he got there and um, we got to the room and he tapped me on the shoulder and I thought he was going to give me the old talk, like, you know, stay positive. Uh, you're going to get in the lineup. So he said, sit down. And I was like, so I sat down and <laughs> he goes, uh, we just traded you to San Jose. And I, I almost started crying. I was like stunned. Uh, so well, the amazing, most amazing part in, in, for that, for me, uh, Terry, was within four or five minutes, I had shaken everybody's hand. I got my equipment and my sticks and I was out the back door in the, in the loading dock. And when I heard the door click, I realized I'm done. They're done. I'm no longer a blue jacket. Now the good thing was that the owner and Mike priest, the president did say on the way out, uh, when you're done with this circle back, uh, we'd love to have you back in the organization. And so, you, you know, one of those things. Interesting. I'm glad that they had the foresight to say that and that it actually happened. And what did, so, you know, 
I guess mixed emotions come with that, but you are going to California. So how was your time in San Jose outside of awesome. the obvious better weather? Well, the weather was nice. You know, the, the lemon tree in the backyard was pretty cool. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but uh, we had a great team. We, we should have won a Stanley Cup. And, and that, you know, you think of moments in the locker room with Ronick, Blake, uh, Boyle, Thornton, Marlowe. Um, wow. We, we should have won a Stanley Cup. We were the President's Trophy winners, uh, and, and we lost out to Anaheim in the first round. Remember Getzlaff and Thornton fighting off the faceoff? Remember that. Remember that. Uh, uh, Claude Lemieux was brought in from the China Sharks because he had the experience. We, all Everything was pulled out. Uh, but we came up short there. We had great teams and, and, and just Pavelski. When you have Joe Thornton in a locker room, uh, he's a kid. He's a, he's a, he's a 14-year-old kid in a 42-year-old's body that is just a joy to be around. And it was just the center of everything. But Ryan Klo was there, one of my – you know, mm-hmm. I've only got – I'd say I got three really good buddies from playing in the National Hockey League. And one of them is Ryan Klo. I mean, we right connected – yeah, we connected because of, you know, the Newfoundland uh, connection for both of us. But uh, just on the same page, I talked to him yesterday. I talked to him quite a bit. Uh, him and Trevor Litowski are my top two. Uh, and then the other one's Alex Johnstone I played junior with. I so. remember Johnny. I, I, I met Johnny uh, 10 years ago with Jason McDonald. Right on. And yeah. We, we Again, outside of this pandemic, we normally make a trip, go to Halifax, see a concert or something, and we'll hook up with the boys, right? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I I, sent, uh, I hadn't talked to Chloe in about four or five months and having you on here triggered. So I sent him a message yesterday as well. Chloe dog. Yeah, he's love, doing well. I love that he's doing well and he's enjoying yeah. his life. Just a great Tell player yeah. and great person. And I'm yeah. glad because he, I'm not going to say at a rough go, hockey's great no matter what, but no one expected that he would play when he was 17 or 18. He, yeah. he moved away and he, he had a job to play junior B at first. He always had those hands, but didn't grow. He, he, he was like Bambi on ice. But we, we all knew it. I'm not saying this to knock Ryan Klo. We all knew he had it. It was like Teddy Purcell. We're watching him around here. We're like, this is a layup. How is this guy not drafted? You know, but cream rises to the top. Um, that's interesting. So Joe Thornton, then it's no surprise to you what's going on now that he's still playing. Or I guess Patrick Marlowe, these guys. So in the room, often people ask me, I'm saying, I don't know, Thornton. Uh, Jumbo came over here to Chloe's golf tournament one year. Yeah. He's like a great guy, but I'm like, great. that's not the dressing room. But I mean, I, it'd be hard to still be playing if he wasn't exceptional in there. So exceptional. Okay. I mean, it's, I wish everyone could experience it. And when I saw he was going to Toronto, I was just, I got excited. I really got excited for every one of those guys. And I, you know, I wish the fans were there for him. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what his life is like outside of the rink right now. With everything slowed down, but maybe he likes it that way. You know, he's a guy that in San Jose he liked it because it was quiet. There was no, not a lot of attention. Um, but yeah. I'll tell you what, there's no one like him. And the Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner will never be the same because I felt like things could get real serious in Toronto, like real serious with you know I have to act this way. I should, I don't know should I might should I do this. Well, Joe Thornton had a shirt off in Vancouver two weeks ago. They're rollerblading around with a pair of jeans that were way too tight. And I would tell him that if I saw him that. But anyways, <laughs> he's, you yeah. know, it, he's it's having refreshing. Fun. It's, it's so refreshing. And yeah. I'm so glad he went there for those guys because those guys are superstars. And they're, they must have, when you have someone you respect so much that loves the game so much and acts uh, like a kid and, and you, we used to race to the rink, Terry. 
to get there early, every one of us, Blake included, and we would stay later after uh, because beautiful. Jumbo was, I mean, and if you weren't in the room with him, you could hear him laughing down the hall or busting someone, you know, it's, it's so, I, I just wish some of the stories that are, that are probably happening in Toronto would come out. It's the perfect year for him to be there as far as those teammates. But again, the fans, it was great to see him in Toronto uh, in front of the fans. Hopefully, hopefully uh, something happens, but I, it's not going to be this year, is it? No, but uh, that's great to hear. A lot of Leafs fans listen to this, and a lot of Newfoundlanders listen, and they're gonna Good. they're gonna love the slight uh, Ryan Klo update. Um, so you, <laughs> San Jose, which yeah, I love that place. Uh, I got to be honest, I've been there three or four times, and I love it now. But as as a hockey player, I think I would really, really welcome the opportunity to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. So <laughs> take. Take us, I don't want to skip over three years, but we only got so much time. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'll you, get you there. You end up you end up in Philly. How did that come about? And well, let me tell you, and you'll like this. So I get traded from San Jose to New York with the Rangers. Um they've have they have five trade line trade deadline acquisitions. We're all staying in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um it's a fun time. I mean, this is a team that's underachieved, but I'm now in New York City. When I got traded from San Jose, I knew I was gonna get traded. Um, and I didn't realize it was going to be New York. So I get there and I got a new, new lease on life and I have the greatest mindset any athlete could ever have. I didn't care. I was going to work as hard as I could, but I was going to enjoy every single nook and cranny of New York city. And it, cause it, it was just yeah. a place I had gone there on a trial when I was 18 years old with Messier, uh, Kiprios, uh, Lidster leech. I mean, it was like, you know, I'd done that and yeah. here I was back there. Glenn Sather, I sat in his office and talked to him and asked him questions. I was going to do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mark Messier in the lunchroom. I saw the guys. There was 11 guys around one table. No one was going to sit with Mess. And I was just like, I'm going there. Hey, Mess, do you mind if I sit with you? Yeah, you think- and it's just these things are happening. I'm like, I'm, I'm just doing it. So I, the last two games of the year, two games of the year, Terry, is against the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. And it's a home and home. First one's at Madison Square Garden. Second one's in Philly. Now, if we win the first one, Whoever wins the second one goes to the playoffs. This is 2010. Uh-huh. That's the year. So in the garden, I think I had one goal at that point that season. I score a goal on Brian Boucher, your good buddy. I tuck yeah. one in past Boucher in the garden. And moments later, Boucher gives up the puck, and he gets back in the net and scrambles. I had an open net, and we still laugh about it to this day, um, that he, got, he made a spectacular save on an open net to, to save it. Anyways, we take the train to Philly two days later, and here we are. We go to Philly, and I score again on Boosh, a good buddy of mine. So Boosh, uh, we laugh to this day that he was the one who got me a three-year deal in Philly because of those two goals he gave up. <laughs> they went on. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, he actually signed a photo for me. Hey, Jody, congratulations on your contract. You're welcome. Anyway, so anyways, that's a side <laughs> story. But – you know, I get to go to Philly, and, and Philly was my one of my teams growing up. Lindros, Legion of Doom, uh, it's just something about the Flyers. I love the Cooperalls back in the day. That was way back. So I get to Philly, and um, boy, I tell you what, I used to hate going to Philly as an opponent. When you go into that city, you just wanted to get out of there. But as a player who got to play there, it's phenomenal. I mean, they they're they know what they are. They have an edge. They have an attitude. Uh, and they love their players, but they're on top of you 
but they love you. And it was the first place I got booed as a home player, and but I deserved it because we were out there on the fourth line for way too long, couldn't get the puck out our own end, and you're looking for a place to hide at this point when they 19,000 are booing. <laughs> you're like, I know, I know, just let me get the puck out. <laughs> and it was oh, just a great experience. Oh, that is fantastic. So, and I, you know, I, I know your career so well i knew the the, the um chronological order and I, I new york always slips my mind when you were in new york did that come to fruition did you hang out did you see everything you wanted to see yeah i had a great time man it was unbelievable my son was sleeping in a closet in the hotel room me and my wife were there she was pregnant so she had to go home every other week so i had time for the boys it was you know it was well done if i if i wish everyone could uh, experience new york on the inside you know it, it was amazing to walk down you walk 20 blocks to a game with you know you get your music on and people are going everywhere from all over the world yeah. but you get to madison square garden and the the gentleman at the at the the, the security gentleman at the gate gives a double take and he goes oh mr shelley come on in and you're like oh this is so cool and we had sean avery and and uh, henrik lundquist who those guys knew the the uh, the ins and outs of the city, and we used to. A couple times we went out. Wade Redden was there. A couple times we went out. Uh, it was it was it was like being in a music video. You know what I mean? We yeah. were treated back room. Uh, it was it was really cool to be that's with a, those guys. That's exactly what I would have thought, and I'm glad yeah. that you experienced it. Uh, Jagger wasn't Yarmy Jagger in Philly? Yeah, we were there. Yeah, he so, was there. I mean, I could say it was towards the end of his career. He played like another seven. But um, it's not over. It's yeah, not yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, he's still playing over in Czech, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Still getting like a point a game. So what kind, of, what kind of a teammate was, was uh, Yarmir Jagger? Awesome. The way he saw the game, uh, how professional he was, how hard he worked, uh, how much time he had for his teammates, how fun he had on the ice. Um, it was all very good. He, was, he used to get the key to the rink, and this, was a, this is an honest story. He got the key to the practice rink in Voorhees, and he lived there close to it. And when the last uh, daily scheduled event was done, he would go in and skate. He wouldn't want them to clean the ice because he'd want to practice on rough ice. And then he'd go out, and they'd ask him to lock the door when he left. And he used to bring his girlfriend out there to pass him for one-timers. And we, I went out a few times for the Yager Hockey School. And picture this. I got two young kids. My wife's like, you're nuts, but you should go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm over there in a tracksuit with Yager, who's got on ankle weights, uh, a weight vest, and he's doing tight turns against the wall and trying to help me. And I'm like, this is incredible. So he's a great guy, awesome teammate. Um, we we, uh, we had a lot of fun with Yogs, and it was just uh, – you don't know how to approach a guy like that. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a guy who we all looked up to as kids, Terry. I mean, we're in our early 40s, mid-40s, but he's still – he's 50, and he played since he was 17, 18 years old. So, you know, he's been around a long time and done a lot of things. And the stories he told and how he helped uh, Hartnell and Giroux and mm. how he approached playoffs, it was really cool to see. No fluke then, right? People wonder how these guys last so long. I mean, no. there's nothing like else that. going on in his life. He's full time hockey. He's full time hockey. Well, and, that's uh, yeah. No that's, surprise then. I no love surprise. hearing that, Jody. I didn't know that. I knew he was. I knew he loved the game, but that's that's another level. That's almost uh, being infatuated. It's 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 a love. It's it's a literally. Yeah. He's in love with the game. And he, uh, I didn't know this. He was his dad was a farmer. He grew up working on the farm, and he, his dad used to get him to do. 500 push-ups and a thousand squats every day. I couldn't do that in a month. 
And I said, Yogs, not every day. Like he wrote this book for the kids and a lot of kids are from Czech do this regime thousand squats and 500 pushups every day. And, uh, he did it. He said he did it. And he's, uh, I, I don't doubt him. He's no wonder it's a love. It's every, it's all day, every day for him. Speaking of that, what was your, like, did you, were you natural? Like Damon Lanka, you no. came across Lanks. Lanks never worked out a day in his life. He looks like <laughs> RoboCop. It's amazing. He moves and 18,000 muscles in his stomach. It's his ass muscles. It's nuts. Were you, because you did put on, you know, what did, what did you finish at? 230, 225? 230, yeah. 230, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing in junior, what, 200? Maybe. I can't remember. Maybe 205, yeah. So what was your training regimen? Like, you know what? When I got to uh, Alberta, I learned how to train because I met Chris Dingman. And Chris mm. Dingman was going to Colorado with Charles Paulquin, spending a lot of money. Uh, and I hooked up with a ski instructor out there, Mitch Connor, um, who was training Olympic athletes and he was helping me and Dave Cooper. And I, I that was all I did. I, I lived in my parents' condo in the basement. Um, uh, and I trained with those guys. Uh, and, and, you know, you more you're around, you mentioned Perry Pern and all those pros, you know, you'd be working out and Ryan Smith would run by or Kelly Bookberger mm. and, you know, when you're in that environment, Terry, you know, you, you can't sit around and think, ah, not today because they're all pushing. So I just, I just found it. And that was, it was a major part of what I did, but it was, uh, towards the end of it, it was, it was very detailed. I mean, I tried to get quicker. I know I wasn't very quick, but boy, I, I worked at it just to hang on. <laughs> hey, the game was, was, it was on the precipice of really making that yeah. change from, from tough to speed. And of course, I, I I don't like when people refer to those times like there was a black and white and all of a sudden these guys wouldn't. I mean, we all had Mike Modano, Sergey Fedorov, Pavel Bure, these yeah. Valerie Bure, you know, Saku Koivu. I yes, can imagine Anderson. those guys flourishing. Yeah, fl flourishing now. But the game just did change and you needed to work on all that. That's why I used to go out to Edmonton and those things. Uh, Perry Pern, yeah. as I remember, was just a three on three little thing. Yeah, it was. But it was all pros. Yeah. And, you know, you just it was almost osmosis. You'd end and then you'd you'd learn this or that from one player and then everybody would work out. And, you know, you were almost forced subconsciously, even though it was a lot of fun um, to, you know, to, to really be focused. Um, listen, I you got it, a you got a guy there in Ryan Power who I play. with. Yeah. Junior. He's doing a good job with that there. It looks like I, I follow him on Instagram and I see he's training a lot of athletes. phenomenal. Any any of the athletes I just mentioned, Alex Newhook, that's probably his biggest yeah. client. But he he's got Maggie Connors is in Princeton right now. Uh, Dawson yeah. Mercer went in the first round. Dawson has worked yeah, out with him. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, there's and the other thing, Jody, you played with Chris Payton from here. Yeah, and there was a couple. Uh, Jeff Sullivan was he in Halifax? Yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. So there were Newfoundlanders. Uh, you almost you got noticed playing on your local team and then you went like anywhere now on the internet and, and scouts came and everything else. And I think myself and, and Harold Drukin and Danny Cleary and Michael Ryder, it, it started to break down that door and that mm -hmm. people didn't have to come here and find Michael Ryder in Bonavista anymore. He makes a triple a team. They go to tournaments, you know, that's why we would go to Boston. We would just get a random team together and right. go down. It wasn't like Newfoundland hockey sent us. Right. Um, but now, yeah. So people know, and they know to train, they go to their teams, it's regimented, but they come home and they want to stay in Newfoundland like I did, yeah. but I would have to leave because there's nowhere to train. Well, now two or three places leave leave the ice on. Patty Yetman, who played pro many years, played, geez, did Patty play? No, he played in Moncton. Um, but he's got a, his own rink. 
does some training. Ryan Power comes in now, and Ryan lives in Clarenville, but has a place in town and is quickly becoming one of the most recognized trainers in all of Atlantic Canada. Um, I forgot that you, you'd played with him. He was a bullet. Couldn't put, the puck, couldn't put the puck in the ocean, but an absolute <laughs> bullet. If, in today's game, I got, a, I got a buddy of mine, a lot younger, play ball hockey with him. He's, he's an up and down with the uh, Ottawa Senators now, Clark Bishop. He got his career started last year in Carolina. And Clark's from here, but he, he kind of had his mind set and you can do that now when you're 18, I'm going to be a third liner or back in the day. It was, you know, remember Joe Thornton made the NHL. He had two goals and four assists his first year. He automatically played on the fourth line because it was like depth chart. But now if I saw a guy like Ryan power, now I would say you're a penalty killer. Don't worry about yeah. putting it in, but he, cause he could skate faster yeah. than anybody ever from this province. I swear to you. He and just he strong, strong. You want to know one thing I remember, remember about him and it's off the ice. He used to take pictures all the time. Now, this sounds funny because now we all have a phone in our camera. Yeah. He would carry around either a disposable camera or a real camera, and he always took pictures. And I used to say, come on, Power, can you give it a rest? But now I'm like, I got to get a hold of Ryan Power and see some of these pictures he took. He must have thousands from the year I played with him in junior. That's it. I used to do the same thing. That's why Did I've you? got the. That's why I got those pictures. I got a picture that I posted recently on Instagram of Rodman was there, and because um, the last dance was on. But Carmen Electra, we used to get oh, yeah. everything around. So the opening of Planet Hollywood that night, um, <laughs> there was uh, Jacques Villeneuve used to come to our games and hang out with Patrice oh, yeah? Bourgeois. So he'd often bring around celebrities, and then I, when we would go out west. Valerie Bure was married to Candace Cameron, so I, I I was just like all these things are happening. So I used to have a code a, a disposable Kodak at all times. That's how I got all those pictures. I played with. I go back to Montreal. I run into like Mike Keane or something. He's like, how? I got like th- over a thousand games. Like, how do you have this stuff? And I'm just like, man, I could see the writing on the wall. And I'm from Newfoundland, so you know we'd we'd save up, hopefully to get one minor hockey trip. I know you're Halifax and it's Atlantic Canada, but. When you're isolated, it's different. And I don't feel isolated like I would if I lived in the North Pole. I'm just saying we knew that we're going to get a chance to go on a trip and it's going to be once a year and bring your camera. And so right. I, I still kind of had that mentality going to Montreal camp. Like I got pictures. Yeah. As soon as I walked into the Montreal dressing room, I took pictures. That's how I knew the, the uh, to, to you, we pass the torch, be yours to hold it high, right? All that stuff. I didn't know. I mean, but I've got albums. People used to be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, okay. We're going to get into some rapid fire now. Yeah. Um, actually, before that quickly, because this has been over, over, yeah, yeah. overplayed. And I don't care what side you're on. What do you oh. think about Tom Wilson? Terry, to tell you the truth, I, di- I didn't like it. I, I, mm-hmm. I, my initial reaction was Tom Wilson uh, is bigger and stronger than Artemi Panarin. Uh, I was, I've been in scrums with Gabrick and players like that. I have a certain amount of respect for those guys. And when the helmet's off, uh, I even I have more respect. So I just thought he went a little too far there or a lot too far. Uh, he could have diffused it when he had him on the wall. Um, Panera, I love that Panera came in to help his team. But, I mean, you don't have to be uh, – you don't have to go too far with that one. So, it's personally – it's not public opinion. I don't, I don't even know if it is. I haven't listened to a lot of opinions, but that's what I saw. That's my opinion. Um, yeah, it's funny because scrums happen all the time, and I'm like, do, do you suspend a guy for that? But at the other side, I don't know if that is a blatant 
obvious example of not having people to police anymore? Because I guess he can just run roughshod. He can do whatever he wants. There's really no one, you know, like if Ty Domi was on that team when he played for the Rangers, I, do, would it would it be? I mean, maybe because Wilson is a tough guy, and who knows, right? I mean, you look no, at every era. The answer is no. Okay, answer. okay. I, I I was trying to be. Uh, you know, if you have Buchnevich down like that with your stick across the back of the neck, and you give him a shot, if Ty Domi's on the team. I don't think you do that. I think you well, let him up. I think you let him up cautiously. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that, and that's where it started. And not that you're not tough, but I know. So I'm saying, I'm not saying Wilson would turn into a wuss, but he's just going out there unchecked. And I don't know, but in this day and age, I don't know what I do. Someone asked me, I said, I think I might publicly say this guy's a bully. I'm going to fight him. I don't know if I'm going to win because he's a lot bigger than me, but at the very least, I'm going to do what he does and I'm going to slash him right across the laces. And I'd wait to, someone has to do something. It's just, yeah. you know, and, and I, I get it. And if he was on my team, I would love it because it's a huge, huge bonus point for you going into the playoffs. But Oh, if you did that, Terry, and you're in Washington right now, you are, you are, you're in New York right now. Yeah. You'd, you'd be backstage. You'd be in, in the back room with all the yeah. big dogs. Because, yeah. And, you know what I mean? That, and that's, I, that's the way I look that's at it. That's an opportunity. Hopefully someone takes and, you know, people will say that sounds crazy or barbaric. And but there is a dynamic of being on a team. A team is uh, it's brought together by different situations, different pieces. Everyone's got to bring something different to the table. But boy, I tell you what, there's something special about having your guy who stands up for you. He's part of what you do. So I exactly. think that's important. And it's very, very, very important for a team. You just mentioned the Leafs. They're having their best season in years that I remember. They got Wayne Simmons. They got Thornton doing that. They got Thornton making it fun. It's such a different dynamic, not just the fighting. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's when you got people sticking up for you and you really feel like a team. I don't know. Not that I'm a huge Leafs fan, although I, the equipment manager, Dave Roper, is from Mount Pearl. And, you know, I, I love. Oh, is he right on? He is. He's a great fella. He's got the job up there a few years ago. And um so I'd love to see him get a ring, but I just find it a different dynamic, right? They're, they're dealing with, they got people that are sticking up for each other. They're smiling. They're having fun. Oh. Look out, right? Look out when that starts happening, right? You know, it is. Um, okay. Rapid fire randoms. If you could have one superpower, would you pick invisibility, elasticity, or flying ability? I would fly. Yeah, I think me too. What a great thing. Fly. What a great feeling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It must be. Would you rather have a gunfight with Billy the Kid, take on a lion as a Roman gladiator at the Coliseum, or do a bullfight as a matador? I'd do a gun with Billy the Kid. I mean, that's a great question, but uh, the law, the animals, no. I'd go the human, human error on that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, okay, human error, good. And, you know, we don't really know what, what uh, Billy the Kid was all about. We can read it'd about be, it, but a lion a and a one, bull right? coming at you, a bull coming at you, you know, yeah, a matador would be great, but I don't know how to be a matador. I'm not that, I'm not that slick. You know what I mean? Got to have soft hands for that. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? Um, I would say Lucky Charms. Yeah, I like my Lucky Charms. If you could switch two animal sounds, what would they be? So let's say a, a cow and a duck. So now a cow quacks and a duck moves. What what would you pick? I, I would rather my dog um, not bark. So maybe I would get my dog to chirp like a bird. That'd be a better <laughs> sound. 
<laughs> a cow. I mean, a cow, if I had a cow that quacked, and I think I'd have a good time with that. <laughs> it would be a good time. If nothing else, it'd be a good time. Just have them around when you're having beers with the boys out in the backyard, right? Having a barbecue. You got a cow yeah. over there quacking. How cool would that something. be? How about a horse that could talk? I know there's a couple movies. That'd be fun, too. Mr. Ed. Uh, that must yeah. look ancient now. That was ancient when I was born. Uh, your three favorite movies, or that's real tough. Let's say oh. let's say the old, you're on a desert island, you got you had a video machine. What three movies would you take? Oh, that's, I mean, I, I, love, uh, I love Braveheart. I mean, this is boring because you've heard all these before. Dumb and Dumber and, and Slapshot. I mean, that's a real hockey take right there, isn't it? I mean, you're not going to get That's anything. a junior back of the bus that's, take. <laughs> that's a junior answer for you, too. That, that shows you I'm not very uh, – <laughs> there's not a lot of depth when it comes to movies. <laughs> that is, yeah. Those VHS tapes are still uh, on, the, on the junior bus somewhere. Um, you could sing a song on stage with you, too, or play a round of golf with Tiger Woods. Which I, see, I would play with Tiger Woods. I know you're a guy that likes the stage, and you can you got a good voice, but not me. I'm uh, I love you too, but I'd go with Tiger. Uh, and speaking of golf, don't you have a charity golf tournament? Do you still have that going? It's not on anymore. The pandemic ended last year, fifteen years, uh, and I hope Ryan Graves gets in there because he's from Yarmouth, Nova Scotia too, and he's doing a great job. He could get a ring, uh, but no, we don't have it anymore. We did it. It was a great run uh, for the Yarmouth Hospital Foundation, but. Uh, We've uh, we've ended it. Would you rather go to the moon or go to the bottom of the ocean? Bottom of the ocean, no question. You've been? Have you ever scuba dived or been down there, down uh, snorkeling or anything? I have. You hear? Incredible. I'm fascinated. Fascinated. Here, it's you got to have the whole suit on because it's freezing. But I've done it right. in other places, and uh, yeah, it's it's another world. Otherworldly. Yeah, that's really the only way I can put it. It's a whole lot you don't expect, even though you know, right? You know that. Oh, this is going incredible. to be fascinating, but it still is even more fascinating. Uh, fishing or golf? Uh, golf. My 12-year-old son's into it right now, so it's, it's, we're having a lot of fun with it. Your biggest pet peeve? You know what? I can't stand uh, when you're on a highway and someone wants to hang out in the left lane going below the uh, speed limit. It's like, and, and here in Columbus, we have four lanes. And you're on the left and you're going below. The left lane is for people that want to go a little bit faster. So it drives me crazy when you're in the car and you're not, uh, you're not paying attention. Fair enough. And uh, <laughs> to retract, you, how many kids you got? One? I got two. I got a son, Owen, and a daughter, Evelyn. Evelyn's how old? She's 10. So yeah. 12 and a 10-year-old. Do they know about um, Jody Shelley Drive in Yarmouth? Yes, they were there for the unveiling. Yeah, they oh, were there. Oh wow! And how they must have just had a hoot. That must it was be, really that cool. must have been my mom surreal. and dad were there too. That was really cool. Yeah, it was just I can't even explain it. Very incredible. It's just, it was awesome. Very and proud of that, Terry. Usually, I'm proud of you for that. That's a great thing. And it's funny they did that here with Brad Guju, uh, the the curler. Yeah. After they won the Olympics, and they all got a street. And I found it so amazing, and because usually that ha would have happened like. Like, I'm sure Anthony Hopkins has one now. You know, you're usually 80 or 90 years old. But you left, <laughs> and your journey, was, you know, it's a decade and a half later, and you're, and, and you're getting a street. Like, it's, it's wild. It's still within the same yeah. era almost, which, which I find absolutely fascinating. It's usually people who are passed on or, you know, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Well, you know what, Terry? There is – when I got to Newfoundland and I got to Nova Scotia – I don't know if there's a greater sense of pride of 
what people are and what it means to be a part of those communities. I really don't. I, I remember it in Bay Vert. I saw it in St. John's. I saw it in Gander Bay yeah. and I see it in Yarmouth. They're very proud of their own. And you know, you mentioned New Hook and the guys, yeah. all the guys that have played from Newfoundland. You, there's no one more proud in the world than their parents and the people in their communities in their province. And, and I think that is a tribute to the Maritimes and how things are done there. So th th it really speaks to the people there. I love that you said that. And uh, sometimes it even passes me by and I take that for granted. But it's definitely, uh, it, I, I definitely see it the same way. What one rule would you change in the NHL if you could, or if any? I don't like offside. I don't think there's any need for offside. I like the game going. I love the rushes. I wish there was a way. Uh, I'll go even further. Icing. I, I know offside's a stretch. Let's take icing out of the game. Just get it out of there. I don't think we need icing. I would love to some way get offside, but I'll start with icing. I love that you said that. I've never heard anybody say that answer. And I'll tell you something interesting. I played one year for the uh, Team Canada inline team. Yeah. Um, and played played a lot back here. Chloe, actually, we, we played that together. He's deadly at it, as, as you would expect. <laughs> but um, And we played with rules here. And when a, a pick for Team Canada it was in London, Ontario, and I went up and all these guys, remember there was a pro roller hockey league when we played? Yeah, and I flirted with it, but I, you know, we, you were never. They really frowned upon it for for good reason, I suppose. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, if I was going to play that, so I couldn't really immerse myself in the pro. But I loved it, and I got. So I went to this one tournament, the Worlds, and there was no offside. And I'm like, what is everybody just going to hang out in front of the net? But there was no icing. There was nothing. You just four on four. There's four guys out there, I guess, or girls, and um, you just play. And it was wild, but it was really, it was wide open. People were saucing them over heads and everything. I just I, pictured everybody standing in front of the net, but it wasn't the case at all. I, I, and I, isn't there one where it's just the center red line? And, and I sometimes yeah. think I watch because, you know, it's a three on two and the guy goes offside, but you get yeah. so much speed. And remember in the 80s, the anticipation uh, and the 90s when, you know, Gretzky get the puck and you just knew what was happening when Bob Cole was calling out his name from behind the net, the way he called that puck. The anticipation of the speed and what was going to happen, offside to me and icing, offside kills it. But we'll never have, we'll never see that day. But it's it's good to dream about. Do you think we will see the ice get bigger like everywhere else in the world, or will we keep that brand? I don't think we will. I mean, I think there's, it just might cost. I don't know, Terry. I. I don't. I don't think so. I think that still, if you make the ice bigger, you're going to see slower plays on the outside is all you'll see because everyone just collapses to the front, um, front point. of the net. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that would do it. That actually, I haven't heard that brought up. I've often contemplated, and I thought, you know, with more room, maybe there'd be more, less collisions. But you're right. They, it, it almost, and, and you know, when you, some, when you watch some games in Europe, come to think of it, that is the case. Jody, that is the case. Didn't you play over there in Finland, yeah, by the way? Yeah, I played in Finland for a few games. I tell you what, <laughs> there's no forecheck. I, my first few games, uh, they must have laughed at me because I would get over the boards and I'd go as hard as I could at the puck and the guy would wait and he'd saucer it down the other <laughs> end. I'd back check. And then I'd be three more times and I'd be dead. So, yeah, I was, never had the puck in Finland. <laughs> <laughs> um, Last, now, this is basically it, and I didn't really have this plan, but I'm curious as I watch the game now, and something was alarming. I, I try to listen to as much sports podcasting as I can. Not alarming, but mesmerizing. Austin Matthews would, would be on pace for 
between 65 and 70 goals. Connor McDavid would be on pace for 160 or 165 points. Yet I still hear some people criticizing the game for lack of scoring like there was in the 80s and everything else now. First of all, I'm saying that's Lemieux and Gretzky were better than you think they were. And I know that scoring was up, but there was still only 10 people that ever had over 60 goals, right? And I couldn't believe when I heard that, but I'm like, so if Matthews is there and I hate that we're going to have to prorate all this because these guys would be, you know, you, Toronto Maple Leafs haven't had a 50 goal score since when Gary Lehman or some shit. And they would have had one the last two years. But McDavid is starting to threaten two points a game. Mm. I don't know if I ever thought I'd see that. And do you think now when we get back, it'll be two years would have passed. And now next year will be an 82 again, I assume. Do you think we're going to see that kind of scoring back? Or are these two players simply magical? I have a thought on that. And, you know, I think playing the same team over and over, for McDavid and Matthews and Dreisaitl and these guys, I think the matchups are favorable. I don't think they get back to that. I mean, McDavid, yes, he's going to, he's had over a hundred points. This would be the third year if you prorated it, I think, or maybe fourth. I mean, he is. Yes, but good. I'm talking, he nearly, he, he might get 150. They might get in. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hope so. I think he's possible. Austin Matthews. I'm not sure. Uh, he's not seeing, some of the best goalies in the league. I don't know, you know, and, and different teams, the East is different, different than the West, uh, especially when you get to New York, Washington, Tampa, uh, places like that. It's just a different game. And I I just, I don't know. I think the anticipation and the excitement to play a lot of those teams in Canada is up there. I hope he does, man. I hope this gives him the confidence. Maybe it's a Joe, Joe Thornton factor. Maybe he'll be like this for a long time. Hey, Maybe so. Um, But that's a good point. And I find when you're only playing those teams, it, it works the other way. I mean, who knows? It gets monotonous, especially if, if you have like yeah. a two-week dry spell. So who yeah. knows if like Calgary are as bad as people are saying? Who knows? Maybe if they played all these other teams because it does get monotonous and people get in your head, right? Sometimes hey. if you play a team seven times in a row and you just need a game against Boston, even though they're a great team, I don't want to play Calgary again or Winnipeg yep. again, you know? So that's – listen – the Blue Jackets played Tampa and swept them. They were the they were the president's trophy. The matchup that there's a lot to do with the matchup. How the coach uh, pl- has the game plan. How the players want to play. It's a real thing. And if you're snake bitten, it's the worst. But if you have success, it just happens. Yeah, it's uh, I love getting your perspective on a lot of these things. I've often said it, guys that uh, go out and and are they in the enforcer role? Not that. Is that a bad term? I don't like the term goon. And you oh, certainly you call whatever you want. Whatever but enforcer, you, want. You, you tend to get a great perspective, right? Than someone who's out there every shift. And because you sit there and, you know, you're trying to get in the lineup and I'm, I'm in the same position. You know, you're whenever you're on the outside looking in and you're at fourth line or third line, you see a great perspective. Some games go by, you get one shift. What the fuck are you going to do? You got front row seats to an NHL game. You're going to figure it out. You're hearing the coach. You're watching guys fuck up that are Hall of <laughs> Famers. Whitely. So, you know, if, if it's good enough for Mark Recchi, I'll probably learn something from it. I have always found that. And you are no different. You had a great perspective. Uh, thanks for coming here today or uh, showing up on Zoom. Is there anything you need to promote or you'd like to talk about um, before we go? No, I just want to thank you. Terry, you, uh, you do a great job, man. You know a lot of people. And uh, you, you're an interesting guy who understands hockey. And I think you're a great ambassador for Newfoundland. And, and uh, 
I've always admired how you uh, you're you're an honest guy with your career. But boy, I tell you, that's why you're so respected. And uh, keep up the great work. I, I love what you do with this podcast. And uh, you know, what I, I talk to Boosh, I talk to <laughs> Chloe, and, and they always uh, have a good story about you. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. I love the people of Newfoundland, and this is uh, this has been fun, man. It's been great. And after all this, I'm sure paths will cross again. And if you go back to Halifax, let me know. I'm, honestly, that's a hop, skip, and a jump. I'm there five or six times a year normally. I'm going to leave you with uh, some lyrics of a song, as I often do. This is from the Black Keys. It's called Ohio. I just can't get my fill of those hills. If you see me hunker down in your town, I'm just watching the clock on the wall till I go to the place I love most of all, Ohio. And oh, that's baby. where you are now. That's your home. <laughs> I love it, Jody. You've, uh, you've always been... Uh, a team guy you've always been and i don't mean just the teams you've played on i mean as a as a hockey player as an ambassador from the game from the atlantic provinces we got a lot in common my father is also a teacher uh, we had a hockey journey that started together and is still kind of going uh, even though it's not on the ice anymore i love you i appreciate you and uh, let's talk again soon thanks for doing this thanks terry i appreciate it man there you have it mr jody shelley we go way back and uh, I just loved every minute of his success in the NHL because, uh, as you just heard, it was the odds were against him, at least in the public's eye. I don't like Ryan Clough. I don't think any of us that really knew Jody would think it was that far it, it fetched. I mean, he had a great junior uh, career and was very tough in a very tough era. Um, I just mean, you know, if, if you're playing university hockey, you're, you're, you're fighting against the odds. And uh, it's a great brand, and it's a great thing, and it's awesome that we have so many Canadians come through and get scholarships and play, and hockey provides that. But I'm just saying, as far as the NHL goes, if you're playing Canadian university, um, you're fighting an uphill battle. That very well is, is coming true more and more. More players are doing it, but it's still going to be... I think a rarity to make the NHL after having played at Canadian university until the, well, it's going to be a rarity in the foreseeable future is the way I see it. So Jody was always an underdog and knew what he had to do. And honestly being so tough and being so good in the room and listening and just being a good person is why he said success on and off the ice. So thanks again, Jody. As far as Tom Wilson, yeah, so we, we kind of touched on it there. Yeah, and, and I'm with Jody. I wouldn't have suspended Tom Wilson. I just, what, what did I think of it? You know, I thought it was a bit of scumbaggery, and that's how I would deal with in this day and age. It's only happened a few times in my career. Most people that would, I would think, I had a lot of penalty minutes. Most of them were defending. I don't remember being suspended for any, I think twice once I fingered the crowd. That was stupid. I got kicked out and had a bit of a tiff with a, with a fan. Uh, I remember hitting Jason Holland from behind in junior by accident, getting kicked out of the game, which felt like a suspension. Uh, you know, I had to write an apology letter. Well, I didn't have to. I did. Um, you know, so I, I had a conscience out there. I, I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't, but I, I stood up to bullies. And sometimes... They're bigger than you, and no matter how much you want to punch them out, you can't do it. So here's what I would do if I happen to play right now on the New York Rangers. 
I would publicly, and I know you're going to get this, you're probably going to get suspended because this is premeditation, what I'm about to say. But something's got to happen. If, I, I guess if I was in the NHL, I'd be making six figures. I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't care what suspension you gave me. I'd come out and say, look, I might. Oh, I'm definitely going to fight Tom Wilson. I know he's not scared of me. I know he's going to see this interview. Uh, I'm going to drop my gloves. Now I might lose. I'm going to stand up to him. I hope he knows that. I'm going to keep fighting him. But if I don't beat Tom, I want you to hear this, Tom. I'm going to slash you over your laces, and I'm going to try to break my stick while I do it. And if I don't get you there, I'm going to get you on the back of the legs. And if I don't do it next game, I'm going to do it the next game after that. As soon as I can, that we're on the ice together, you're going to get hurt. And I'd leave it at that. And I know I'd get backlash. And I know, especially for being premeditated, I'd probably get an extra suspension. But I also know that my teammates would have to love the fact that I stood up to the motherfucker. And whether I got suspended for 50 games, at some point I'm going to play him again. And I would hold my stick right up in the air, right towards his eye. And I'd say, you try it, you fucking bully. I'm not saying he'd quit, but it's a check and it's a balance. It's accountability. There doesn't seem to be much of that going on. I hats off to Panarin and, and for Buchnevich for trying it. Of course, Wilson got in there. Buchnevich hit the goalie at first. I just mean it was a little everything that happened, I, I think, is unsuspendable. But yeah, God, would I love to be on the New York Rangers. That'd be your ticket to the NHL right now or whatever team you're on. And I'd say, I'm not only fighting you for my teammates, you motherfucker. I'm fighting you for the union. You prick. And he'd know you're coming. And I don't care who you are, or how tough you act or whatever, or how tough you think you are. You might beat me up, Tom. I'm coming, though. I might get one in. But supposing I don't, I'm going to fucking break my stick off on your foot, you fuck. Now, sit back. You wait and see how many times that motherfucker does that. He'll think twice before throwing down an MVP candidate on his fucking head again, wouldn't he? And that's the way I'd deal with it. Yes, I know I'd get a major fine. Yes, I know I'd get a huge suspension. But do you think my team would be upset? What's the difference? Let's just go hypothetical. What's the, what's the minimum contract? 750000 Let's say I'm on league fucking minimum and I get suspended for half the year. There. Take a few hundred thousand because I know I'm coming back because every other team in the NHL is going to want me and my teammates are going to love me. And maybe that motherfucking bully settles down. That's it, man. I'd pull a bird dog on him and I did it under five times in my career and I'm counting senior and everything else. I'm known as a pretty fair. No, as a fair player. I'm the type going to hit you. I'm coming. I'm coming. Right. I'll hit you, but I want to. We're all doing the same thing here. Fuck around, though, and I'm going to drop my gloves and majorly fuck around, and you're getting a spear in the gut like I did to Dan fucking Cluche, and that was in World Junior Camp. But no one's going to hurt me or my teammates. One thing to make a statement. You're going to hurt Panarin, and I play on the Rangers, and he was an MVP candidate last year, our best player. Go fuck yourself. You are? And I'll take you outside after. You always know that I'm coming. Always. And fucking hell is coming with me. And that's how I'd handle it. Okay, Penny Posh. Women's wear reimagined. Re reimagined. Worked up here. Uh, 
Check it out. Penny Posh. Great, great leather jackets. Great hoodies. Um, we can get you a deal on the hoodie right now. May is the last month that when I say we, it's my ex-wife, Danielle. It's a great, great product. Uh, the hoodies are regularly 129 uh, So for $99, um, we will throw in a book. So 69 uh, for the hoodie, 30 for the book. Uh, for, I believe, $89, uh, we'll give you a hoodie, a signed picture of me, signed picture of my dad. And uh, in order to do that, just email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Same thing if you want a personalized book or anything. I got cards. I got a bunch of shit. And at this point, people shoot me messages for whatever. Uh, if you're going to do one of those memos, though, go through memome.com. You'll see that. But yeah, Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. Great hoodies. Just uh, shoot me a DM if you're interested. And of course, my buddy Wedgwood, Peter Wedgwood, Wedgwood Cafe. Check that out if you're in town. Great plus, great spot to eat. Uh, great people work there. TJ's Pub and Greensleeves downtown, of course. Check us out, especially now in patio season. These places are going to start being frequented more and more as the restrictions lift, cross fingers, and the weather gets better. If you're into ball hockey and you're from Newfoundland or anywhere else, my good buddy and one of the best players ever in the, uh, when I say best players ever, I mean in the world. And my line mate when we go to the world championships, hopefully in the fall, Jeremy Bishop, a step above. And he's got uh, a league started in central West Newfoundland. And uh, he's also got a lot of gear there to, that you can uh, check out. Just uh, check out a step above Jeremy Bishop. Go to the website and he'll take care of you. Uh, Newfoundlanders and uh, everyone really if you're a music fan but I've had on my show in the past I've had Chris Ryan and I've had Damien Follett those of you that have been listening that long that was uh, close on a year ago I had Sierra on I guess uh, Damien I guess in the fall but um, those guys got new music out check it out uh, their they're fingers on the pulse here when it comes to the music scene in Newfoundland well, they've, uh, they've been entertaining on George Street for years, and they've got new music. Just check it out. Uh, I'm sure you'll like it. My movie, people ask about. Uh, well, I mean, I my daughter was just in a commercial this morning, so I'm always involved in a film set one way or the other, whether it's crew or acting or stunts. But the movie you're asking we were in together, it's called A Fire in the Cold Season, and I believe you can order it still on Amazon Prime. Directed by Justin Oakey, and uh, I play a psycho killer in it. Uh, it's actually the favorite role that I've had to date. And uh, Penny Lane is also makes an appearance as the daughter of one of the guys on my hit list. It's pretty interesting. So check that out. Other than that, um, it's been hard on everybody. I say it every time. You know, this whole um, kit and caboodle that has been the pandemic, that has been COVID-19. You know, restrictions are lifting. We're heading into the summer. Days are longer. Days are nicer. Uh, kids are playing. It seems more get-togethers. And I know some places in Canada, we're still going through a real hard time. But the end is near, folks. The end is near. So stick with it. And, of course, it sucks, but it sucks for everybody. And we're almost, uh, we're definitely on the other side of this coin now. And I hope that, like myself, 
you can all enjoy the spring. Enjoy the gifts that we have. While it's been a bit of a setback for the past year, we still live in a pretty good place in a pretty good time. If you're listening to this podcast, it means you at least have a phone or a computer. And uh, can't say the same for a lot of people, right? And uh, let's just move on. Let's trudge on. Let's march into the summer with all of the anticipation of a five-year-old on his or her first day of kindergarten. That's it for me. Thanks again to Jody Shelley, who's a great guest. And, uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody. I'll catch you on the rebound. This has been episode 51, Tales with Tia. Tales with Tia.